But it's not even that. It's you find it by admitting you can't find it. Yeah? In a way. By giving up the ghost, and then the true spirit starts navigating through you and conducting you and directing you. Just like in recovery, just like in Course in Miracles. It would say, all you need is a little bit of willingness, yeah? Combine that with the willingness of the spirit or of this energy or of this intention of the universe, whatever you want to call it. But there is grace. By, by that little bit of willingness to open up to grace and how it happened to me in recovery is I admit I truly got that I was not managerial quality. You know? I just totally got it. I got it from a giant demonstration. I spent two years in a drug and alcohol program called the Lancy Street. And I graduated from there. I hadn't drank while I was there for two years or years. And after I left, I reviewed what was going on, and I didn't like the people much there, some of them. I didn't like the rules. I didn't like the old, you know, the way you ran it. But I had to begrudgingly admit that my life looked better with them running it than it ever did with me running it. Yeah? And it was a very sober, rude awakening. Hey, Jesus Christ, I... No, I'm not meant to be steering the boat, so to speak, you know what I mean? And I've never steered it anyway. So, but part of the, the suffering is thinking you're steering, really. So that made a bigger... Uh, so when I came into AA, which was after this event of the Lancy Street, and I went out a 10-month run, and then I entered AA, the third step made a whole lot of sense to me, which is to turn your will and life over to the care of a higher power, of your own understanding, Yeah. Now, over time, I hope that changes into, well, it's wonderful, we have it right here. The third step, I hope it changes to, I made a decision to turn our will, and that's what's that decision, it's just a little willingness, yeah? Made a decision to turn our will and our life over the care of God as we understood Him, but over the care of God as God understands itself. I would say that's a much clearer way to go, yeah? So that way, you're put in a position of finding out the aspects and the diameters and the size of God, instead of having the size of God fit the frame of your understanding, yeah? You surrender your understanding and then see what happens. It's going to be a much grander demonstration than you could have ever imagined, yeah? So I have a higher power, if you want to call it a higher power. It's nameless, but let's call it a higher power. I have a higher power of its own understanding, yeah, so it just reveals to me what it's about. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't allow, I don't I don't ask for it to shed light on how I think it is. I just open to the fact that say you reveal what's going on. Yeah? And it does, and it's been doing it for quite a while. Yeah? So in that revelation, the basic premise that is based on is that I'm not managerial quality just gets more and more galvanized all the time, and the miraculous things happen. You're because the thought system that's been the navigator, yeah. And of course, it's navigating from a past, a past map of an imaginary place, and it's trying to navigate the waters of now, moving towards a future goal. It's never even acknowledging the now. It's using this moment to entertain the past, the past and the future, basically, yeah? If you just look at it, one, let's say, segment of it during the day, you'll see its value system, yeah? It values the past and the future much more than now. One segment, and that theme goes through all of its th thoughts, yeah? The whole thought system 
values the past. It's unbelievable because its premise isn't really about light, it's about you in life, the you that you're not. Yeah? And it has to remember you because you're not actually so. The you that you feel you are, and that's actually was thought first, but now you feel it, that vague sense of self, is, been, is a product that was produced. It's not organic. It's not innate. You didn't have it when you were a kid. We grew into it, yeah? We grew into it over time. As soon as the brain developed to a certain point, then it started entertaining the possibility that you weren't entertaining the first, like, they say, 18 months about it for your life so in this body. And therefore, at that time, when you weren't, before the 18 months, you weren't thinking you could be anywhere other than where you were because there was a fucking absurd impossibility. The only reality was what was going on. So if it was shitting or burping or crying or that, that was the only thing that was happening in the context of awareness that it represented. Yeah. That was the only thing. The past and future brought, came into the play later. It downloaded from this selfing, this process of selfing, because it, the selfing has one agenda. It's to be about you. Yeah. It's actually about a you, but then the mind becomes identified with that presentation. Now it becomes you. Yeah? <laughs> and then things happen and change. Usually what starts becoming absent is wonder and awe, immediacy, you know, like unbidden joy. Those things become very, very rare. And now you have an understanding I know what I want, what's mine, what's yours, that I want to be mine, all like that starts happening. <laughs> you get moved from, in a sense, the garden of Eden to a fucking, like, to a Hoboken, New Jersey or something, you know? It's like a very... And uh, so it has to forget, in a sense, that, and it uses its story about the past to, re to remember a you now. Yeah. So right now, where there's a freedom from that you, there's a mental activity that's trying to supplant that freedom with its story. Yeah. And it does pretty good, really. Most of our intention and attention and interest has been captured by it, and we basically have gone asleep in a way, and in a weird way, we're like comfortably numb, even though we may be extremely uncomfortable. It becomes familiar to us. Yeah. So. We find solace in nostalgia, and even like even in misery, it can become familiar. You can become familiar with misery, as long as there's a sense of control. That I, I know I'm going to be miserable as much as I was today, tomorrow. It produces a weird mental security, you know. And so what happens is, you're being on the pulse of life. Your it get your your interest and attention gets moved, and you start picking up not a heartbeat or your breath, you start picking up your mental oscillations. <laughs> and your mind gets really agitated. And so its surface, which has the ability to reflect, is now agitated and it's not reflecting anything. So what it has to do is assume a lot. Because yeah? it's not seeing things clearly, but it wants to come to some kind of conclusion, so it just assumes. It just makes up a story. It just oh, this is just the way it is. Yeah? Because it's not seeing anything clearly. Yeah? And so the agitation begets more agitation. And more agitation does what? Begets more agitation. Yeah? And so when the agitation 
is confronted with the possibility of peace, like an innate peace of mind, what it does is that being a topic to it as the subject, it just gets agitated about the peace. <laughs> I've seen people who are supremely agitated about enlightenment. They are. They've entertained a concept of ultimate freedom and it's producing tons of mental suffering every day. They go on and on to meetings, always feeling that they're not getting it, reading, reading more and more DVDs, this and the DVDs, this is going from one to another to another to another to another, and it's like a form of slavery. And what's provoking it, or is like the, is like the carrot in front of that fucking horse, is the idea of enlightenment. Yeah? The idea that there is a possibility I can be ultimately free, but the ultimate freedom... Here we go, you got two now. <laughs> hey guys. The ultimate freedom wants to be had by what's the limitation, the seeming limitation to the freedom. Yeah. So now the seeming, the seeming limitation doesn't want to give up its reality of being so, so it has to make enlightenment unso, not so, yeah? But uses it to tantalize, yeah? to agitate, to sort of provoke you to be in this modality of constant fucking seeking. Yeah. Yet you feel it's noble because your mind has gilded or like put a like a gold gold flake uh, veneer on this concept that it's different than any other concept. It's enlightenment. No, it's a concept. That, um, you know, the basic premise of it is it's conceptual. Yeah? It's a product that you find in the mental realm. And therefore, the enlightenment is gonna, isn't going to bring you about to you what you wanted, but what the pursuit of it is going to bring you the opposite of what you thought enlightenment was. You're going to be agitated about enlightenment. <laughs> so it's going to use the idea of becoming enlightened to be enslaved to the possibility of, of me becoming enlightened. Where all the great masses would say it's in forgetting the self, not improving the self by having the self realize something. The self can only realize by its own limitations. They're all they're old neutered realizations. They're just collectibles. Yeah? It's like spiritual memorabilia. You just collect realizations, but nothing radically shifts. Because what's collecting, the frame of what's collecting the realizations, nudes the realizations to make it into an object that it has. You can't see it. It just, it immediately, by its claiming to be the one who has the realization, there goes the realization. <laughs> now it's frozen, you have it, but its active influence, its active, its active, its ability to activate has been neutered. It's not activating anything. It's just activating more seeking and more conceptualization. Yeah? It's been claimed and hijacked by the mental process, and you believe that it was it stood above that. It was like the lotus. It would never be in the mud. It's fucking under the mud. <laughs> yeah. You go down under the mud. Yeah, you're in there thinking you're somewhere that you're not. It's just be, it's the better the clearer realizations is realize you've never been anywhere. <laughs> in a sense, you've never been in any other predicaments you think you've been in. You've never been in them. What you are, yeah. 
<laughs> so, you have to see, for this place to have be a subjective experience, there must be some, at one point, there must be subjectivity that's allowing that to occur. Yeah. In other words, for something to seem to be real, it must be seeming to be real to what's real. Because what else could lend it the sense of reality but reality? Yeah. So if you see on a very small scale that you are giving something the meaning it has, on a much bigger or more expansive scale, that's all that's going on. So if something really seems so, that that feeling of really seeming so isn't coming from that thing, it's coming from the mind, which is the reality, believing that to be so. It's The belief in it is what lends it a reality. And then, when it's lent the reality, this is also lent the reality, and then that can hurt this. Yeah. And what's real, that's still untouchable, is dismissed in this level of experience, and then you experience exquisite suffering. By having the things that you've dreamt, by having them have the ability, which is given over by whatever you want to call you, by having the things you've dreamt now starting to affect the dreamt, which is his body. This isn't the dreamer. This is facilitating the dream. Yeah? The dreaming is going on, and then it facilitates this event, this experience, through this, this like projector, or this camera location. But it ain't the camera that's taking the picture. Yeah? It's not the tele- telescope that's seeing the stars. It's the person, it's the subject, not the person, in this example, true subjectivity that's looking through what we call the person, which is the telescope. It's looking through it, and that is what's seeing the stars. Yeah? It's seeing the light of all lights differentiate into a million lights. Lights, And why that is, is the telescope facilitates that perception. Yeah? It's seeing undifferentiated light, but while now while it sees, now the seeing goes through this telescope, it sees differentiated light. The telescope isn't seeing the light. It's what's seeing through the telescope. Yeah? So what's causing this to facilitate a conscious event isn't the body. It's mind. Yeah? So the mind is the seer. The mind is the dreamer. So when something really feels real to you, the only way it could feel real to you, if you were the, as, the only way is that you're the fucking reality. How could false evidence appear to be real? What could it only appear to be real to? The reality. Yeah? It couldn't appear to real, be real to anything else that's false. They wouldn't have any idea what reality was. Everything would be fucking false. False would see false and false. But now, we're the reality seeing something, and it appears to be true to us, and therefore, in that seeing it, giving it that, that meaning, it gets to be quote-unquote real. Yeah? And that's why if someone's... If it's really so for you that something's real, it's better to give that person a pail of water when his house is on fire, not to give him a philosophy. Because at that point, the mind is dreaming, and it's given its reality over to something. And now it's in this seeming relationship with it, and it's getting hit by slings and arrows by it. Yeah? And to say, that's not happening, may not be helpful. Maybe you got to say, maybe you got to say, go help somebody. Get out of the fray because you're the cause of the fray. If you step out of the situation and then look at it again, 
it may look totally different because you are giving it the meaning it has. I had a guy in uh, recovery who had lots of years. I remember this. I was at this meeting. I call it a special meeting. I won't name it. But I went to this meeting and this guy had 20-something years and he met this lady who he really liked and she was in the wine business. And she, she and her friends, they were everything was great in their lives, you know, great clothes and this and that. And they were drinking wine, and it looked so great. And he said, Jesus, I got to either leave or I'm going to start drinking. Yeah, he was in this, he was in this freaking made up dilemma. And I said, after the meeting, I said, why don't you go do some service and then look at the situation again? Maybe a little more than two extreme possibilities may appear. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the way you're looking yeah. at it from is giving it the meaning, and it's either or. Either got to totally leave her or fucking start drinking. You know what I mean? It's freaking insane. And so it's not like, get, all right, get back in there and get work on it. No, step out of it. Get out of yourself. Then go and look at it, and maybe you'll see, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. I had a guy who just went through it. He made, because it was something, I don't want to get too specific, but he made something, it was a perfect example. He made something to seem to be happening that wasn't happening. And there was distance between him and the other person, so he had a lot of time with himself. And he made, it turned into this huge thing where he's going to have to fly, and go this and that. And then, three days of this, he calls you back, and it seems like nothing actually was happening. <laughs> the whole big fucking, this is the big one, this is totally, they're fucking me, totally was seen differently. This is happening all day. That's why they say we're making mountains out of molehills. How can a molehill look like a mountain unless what makes both of them give it the, give that reality to it? Yeah. But that reality can only reach a level of seemingly so because there's only one reality and that's what's looking right now. Yeah? What's looking is the only reality. Now, things can reach levels of seeming to be real and so, you know, and you notice when somebody's in something bad, it's, it's fucking real as real can be. I mean, they're cooking and it's as real as real can be. Yes? But the only thing is it's not real. It only, can only reach the level of seemingly so, which means it can appear to be true or false to you. To you. See how it all goes back? It, seemingly, it appears to be true or false to you. That just blows my mind. Rest on that. Because <laughs> all the while, since I was young, this, the kernel of victimhood would occur, start occurring. And thinking that I was so powerless and so weak and there's all these things way beyond my control were totally fucking with me and this and that and that and this. And it seemed to be so because my head was, was asleep to its own nature. Yeah? And the most demonstration of its nature was by giving meaning to other things. And other things seemed as real as real can be. And this seemed as real as real can be. Yeah? But... The reality that they seemed to have was lent to them by the reality. Yeah? And then St. Francis would say, hey, what you're looking for is what's looking. Or Dogen said, you know, the study of all of Buddhism is the study of the self. And the study of the self is to forget the self. Yeah? What happens when you forget the self? When the dreamer or the dreaming forgets being the dreamt object, what does it naturally open up to? That it's that. Yeah? That is the reality beyond all seemingly so's. 
and seemingly not so. Yeah? That it's finally, it's contextual. What it is isn't determined by how things appear. Yeah. The light can't be close or far in its realm. It's everywhere, so there's no center. Yeah? Everywhere is the center. Yeah? There's no special gated community that you have to go try to get some get some of the context back and bring it to the content. You realize there is no content in a sense. You're not in the content. You're in the content, but you're not of the content, like Jesus says. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. That's the incredible coolness of it. You're in this experience, but the bottom line is you're inherently not you're not of this. You're not of you're not of body. You're not of separation. You're not of time. You're not of a lot of these things that we take to be so, 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 we're not of that. Yeah? That's your... See, the door... The, the, the way out is realizing you can never be in. That's how it hit me. You know, I blame myself with spirituality. I blame myself with drug addiction. I couldn't transcend the condition I seem to be in. And it fucking really flipped me out. Because I, I, I didn't, maybe I, I could never say I gave it 100% spirituality, but I could say in drug addiction I gave it 100%. <laughs> I was totally devoted, I swear. I, I fucking loved cocaine, shooting coke. And I, and, uh, I adored it, I worshipped it, I prostituted myself for it, I gave everything I had, everything you had, if I could get it. I did everything, every day, living under that yoke, just for the little visitations when I shot it up. Yeah? Put up with anything, fucking anything, more and more. Every bottom I hit, just I moved in, and then I waited to get evicted to the worst bottom. And that's what happened. So I believe, and yet I still didn't transcend it. I didn't get out of self. I believe that if I got my head wired enough, it would like barbed wire, it would snap and I'd be awake. Yeah? It didn't fucking work. <laughs> I'm here to tell you. <laughs> then it dawned on me after the downloads of what's, you know, my sense of what's so is, is Paul, or whatever, you can't get out of what you've never been in. You can't transcend an imaginary place. You, you know what I mean? You can't leave somewhere you're not at. You know? And if all the leaving seem to fail, maybe it's because you're not where you think you are trying to leave. Maybe if you would just tell the truth about that and stop and pause and let everything catch up to you, you'd realize everything would, real, would reveal their true nature, which is they're unreal. You're the only reality. Not as Paul, but as what's looking. Yeah. And then when that finally starts waking up out of a dream, what it does is the same, the, the same meaning giving going on goes on, but now the meaning is that it's given to the reality. You start giving the, the meaning of reality to the reality, and you know what? It verifies. And you finally hit Pater. You were trying to make things that were unreal real all your fucking life, Wow, now you're, you're giving the reality to reality and it's going to fucking show up in your life. It's going to produce traveling later. You're going to have an expansive state. Yeah? Things are going to occur to a verify. Hey, all right. And in that, while you're giving that the reality of being real, which it is, you'll start having a, 
a freedom or an immunity to the reality you once gave to things that aren't. Because they will, the meaning will be taken away from them. And then that thing that will look like a, 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 a juicy fruit, you'll see it as a husk, you know? You'll see it as inherently empty. I know, and you know what I mean? It's so much clearer if you see it than reading about everything being inherently empty. If you actually see everything is inherently empty, it's better than 800 pages of scripture. <laughs> because it has a profound impact on the mind itself. And that's the only thing that needs to be impacted here. Everything out here is... <laughs> if this gets impacted, everything changes because me and you are giving everything all the meaning it has. So if the meaning giver is shifted or the meaning giving is changed, then your whole experience here is going to change. Yeah? That's why, you know, in the, in the uh, days... Like you go into, like let's say you go to a temple and stuff, and you do the same routine every day, but it's always fucking new because the mind is alive, yeah? You don't have to go jump off of cliffs and bungee and do this and do extreme sports. They're having an extreme experience just fucking tilling the land at 7 in the morning and uh, having some tea because every day... They, I go to this one place behind the uh, Mill Valley Library. I must have walked it like a thousand times. It's fucking great every time. It's five minutes away. I don't have to verify I'm going on a nature trail like driving four hours somewhere. You know what I mean? Having a big half day pack, you know, and all the gear. I just walk behind there and it fucking, there's a joy that's, that's produced and it's not coming from there. Yeah? It's coming from the joy giver. The fucking nature isn't the joy giver. This is the joy giver. That, that triggers it Go back to what triggers it. Yeah. I mean, it's that's just seeing blue as blue. That's fucking common sense. You know what I mean? Something works. Stop thinking about it. Work it. Just go ahead. Show up and see. And then when it changes, you'll know. And then you go somewhere to other, some other place if you want. Yeah. It's very becomes very uh, simplistic. Yeah. Because now you're not led in the imaginary field, cornfield. You know, going out, you know, trying to dig your way around things and go, can't see because it grows so quick. You have a different kind of view. And yet it wasn't produced by any thought or effort on your part. It was just always available, but now it's being available. It isn't like it wasn't there. Some Something brought it, and you especially didn't bring it. It was always available, but now it's being available. Yeah? It's, it was imminently always available, but now potentially it's being available. Yeah. Look at these two dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Purely present. I mean, they have one of the greatest... Uh, the mind manifesting there has a great strategy. They got humans cleaning up that room. People walking around picking up their shit all the time. They got dog hospitals. You ever see them? Dog palaces. People got their poodles better shape than like three quarters of the people on the planet. And what do they do? Just make the stupid dope think I love them. <laughs> He'll take care of me forever. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Baba, come here. Come here, my friend. You remember me, I hope, yes. Uh, Frodo. Yes. My Tia Weenie. Yeah. Oh, yes, for the people who can't see, there's a beautiful little dog here worshipping at the feet of the teacher. <laughs> he just pissed on my, my shoe. <laughs> Imagine I walked up to see just oh she started petting me. <laughs> oh, it's all right, Paul. Here's a treat. Here's a treat, Paul. <laughs> all right. I'll clean up after you, Paul. <laughs> Any other questions? All right, we'll have a short one, eh? Was that? That was short and sweet, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. You don't need to go into more of my depth. It's an imitation, remember. Just there to stimulate what's already there. Yeah. Watch looking. Watch looking is what you're looking for. That simple statement saves you a lot of time. Yeah. And time has a huge effect here. So it's a damn good thing to say. Yes? You can come to a point of ease quicker and therefore you'll forget a lot of the stuff. And I'll tell you, the joy, a lot of the joy is what's absent, yeah? What's absent in your life. Because what happened? The meaning that was being given to it has changed. And when was that meaning issuing forth? It seemed to be coming from you, yeah? It was not, if you think it's coming from outside of you, that's victim mood. If you're believing someone is laying a meaning on you, is imposing everything on you, that the only thing you can do is pray for them to change. That's not a powerful position, yes. Uh, no questions? Cool. Cool.